Hi, I'm Dave Chapman, writer for the Awfully Cheerful Engine and for Doctor Who, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Peter are joined by Craig Campbell to talk about his upcoming Kickstarter for Secrets of the Vibrant Isle. In the news, the revised Dungeons and Dragons core rulebooks announced for 2024, Monsters of the Multiverse for D&D coming as part of the gift set, shipping issues in tabletop gaming makes it to Time Magazine, and more. Plus, our favorite game in all the world and a brand new sketch about the causes of turnip shortages. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG Talk. This podcast is sponsored by Captain Wrigley's Starship Emporium. Hmm, what's a starship? Is the GM mixing his genres again? Well, apparently Captain Wrigley is a very handsome man and the greatest salesman in the galaxy. Whatever that is. Wait, who's that? Greetings, human. What? We come in peace. You come in peace? Shoot to kill. Shoot to kill? I'll show you shoot to kill, you witless drones. Take this fireball right in their face! <laughs> Wait, what? They were just extras for the commercial. Well, why didn't you say so? Um, do I still get paid? All the tabletop roleplay news We aim to amuse, we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, it is a delight to be here. Welcome, Peter. Woohoo! Hello. Nice to see you. Yes. <laughs> Lovely to see you too. We, we won't tell the listeners that you were 20 minutes late. <laughs> it was 16. Oh, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> However, um, you know who wasn't late? I, I'm sure they were on time in full, which is much what we expect from the Kickstarter. Yeah. So our yeah. uh, uh, guest this week... And was here on time, in fact, a couple of minutes early, I believe, was Craig Campbell, who yes. is here to talk all about his solo RPG, mm. Secrets of the Vibrant Isle. So, Craig, it's not your first time on the show, but welcome, welcome back. Yes. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yeah, coming to fly the flag for Nerd Burger Games once more. Which, by the way, is an excellent name for a studio. <laughs> it is. I have, I have on occasion got people literally just shout that out to me at conventions. Like, they'll be just burger. walking by. And oh, they'll be like, that's Nerd a great burger. name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, right. Uh, right. So they're not shouting Nerdburger at you. They're just like, that is a really good name. So there you go. Yeah. Oh, they, Nerdburger too. Yeah, just something just to acknowledge the <laughs> the name. It's memorable. I'll say that. So how many Kickstarters have you done now? It's, uh, it's a... This one is number 13. Yeah, I knew it was a few. <laughs> 13 Kickstarters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a solid amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when you look, like, as far as RPG Kickstarters go, at least, I think that puts you, like, in the top, like, 5%, I'm sure. For doing, just for number of? Just for number of. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've been not- really busy. Over the last yeah. five years. <laughs> do you enjoy them? Do you like running a Kickstarter or do you find it a nerve wracking experience? Both. Yeah. Um, I, I, I find it very exciting 
like the the first day or two when everything takes off and is like, oh look, everybody mm. likes my idea. That's yeah. oh, that's so gratifying. But mm. you know, the slog through the middle can always be a little mm. rough. I'm sure you've yeah. experienced that, and oh, the build up yes. beforehand where you're just kind of nervous and not sure how things are going to go. And mm. the, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. that, that part sucks. <laughs> I, I, I've been watching this, watching this, watching Russ metaphorically chew his so nails three times really quickly weeks. go on watching, watching Russ, Russ watching Russ watching Russ <laughs> um, <laughs> um, over the past couple of weeks uh, with the coming of there's like a little thing he's bringing out it's called like level up it's improving Dungeons and Dragons and making it better yeah it, it, it's just like this little thing with like a couple of thousand like was it five, five and a half thousand now yeah yeah about People, yeah, having a look at it. So, you know, no pressure. Um, and uh, in terms of, he's not chewing his nails anymore. He's like right down to the knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I Russ. am nervous. Russ. <laughs> You'll be fine. I know. It's I know intellectually. I know, <laughs> like, you know, I've checked all the boxes, done everything right. I've done my due diligence. I've done, I've done mm. all by the book. I know it'll be okay. But even mm. so, only yeah. half of your brain knows that. The other <laughs> half just sits there panicking. Uh, and there's so nothing you can do to change that. The, the monkey brain is gibbering in terror. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, we anyway. digress. So we're going to we talk do. about Secrets of the Vibrant Isle shortly. Yes. But before we that. do that, before mm-hmm. we do that, we are going to have a look at some RPG news, as is our want. So, so Russ, was there any big news regarding a very big RPG this past week, Russ? <laughs> was there any news? I well, don't recall know, seeing well, any you know. news. Could yeah, you tell you know, me was, if there's any when news? I was, when, I was, when I was planning Level Up two years ago, I thought in my head, no matter what date I set for the Kickstarter, yeah. what date it is in two years' time, in a year's mm-hmm. time, in three years' time, I pick a date, and I picked October the 5th, yeah. 2021. Whatever yeah. date I pick. A week beforehand, Wizards mm. of the Coast will announce a new edition. There is nothing in this universe that can stop that happening. And it's not that they'll deliberately do it because of my Kickstarter. They yeah. probably don't even know about my Kickstarter. But that will happen. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, guess what happened this week? <laughs> <laughs> yup. <laughs> so, well, well, yeah. Wizards of the Coast are very clear that they're not doing a new edition they're doing something that's completely compatible with 5th edition. Well, they cannot say 6th edition because the moment they say those words, everything they produce for the next three years, no Stops. one will buy it. Yeah. So they, they literally can't say those words. Whatever anyone else says around, everyone else can say 5.5, everyone else can say 6E, whatever, but they mm. they just cannot say those words. Yeah. Um, so, do we think they're actually going to produce a new edition? We don't know. I it mean, sounds like they've it's going to be very similar. Well, let's have a look at what they've said, shall we? Mm-hmm. So, they had... Last yeah. week, it was on Sunday, mm. uh, about midnight our time. Thanks. Yes. Cheers for that. Nah. It was... So <laughs> <laughs> sleep uh, the wicked. Uh, yeah. A, <laughs> a, a panel called The Future of D&D, tacked on to the end of D&D... Uh, was it D&D Celebration? Oh, yes, wasn't it? Which was a the weekend full of streaming online games and a D&D musical and... Which I haven't seen yet, but I am going to check out that D&D musical, just because I'm curious. Have you seen it? No. No? No. It sounds execrable. <laughs> I'm sure it's very good. But just the idea just makes you go... No, no, no. Well, I'm going to check it out yeah. at some point. But well, anyway, it's so- good, you tell me, and then we can watch it. Okay, I'll do yeah. that. I'll do yeah. that. I'm, to, I'm not a big musical a musical fan. So, you know. 
It's going to really? take some. Not? Not? I, I mean, you're, you're always listening to musical theatre whenever I come around. So. I've, liked, I've liked a couple of musicals, but, you know. Maybe, maybe this is the musical that'll change your mind, Ross. It might be. It could it might be. be. Maybe it'll speak to something deep inside of you. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's talk about what they said at this, yes. uh, this uh, panel. So it was like, it was only about half an hour. Quite a short panel. Mm. And it had uh, Way, uh, Way? Ray. Ray Winninger. Yes. Or was it Winninger? One of the two. Way Winninger. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there are he's, he's for mispronouncing people's yeah. names. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's basically the head of D&D. Yes. Uh, we've got Liz True. Mm-hmm. We've got Chris Perkins. And we've got mm-hmm. Jeremy Crawford, all from Wizards of the Coast, all sort of high-ranking D&D people. And it's yeah. a panel presented by uh, Ellie or L or Silly Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this panel lasts about half an hour, and they covered a number mm. of things, but basically it was about what's going to be happening in the next two or three years generally. Mm. So the first thing they talked about was settings. Yes. So um, they confirmed stuff that we kind of already knew, because they think they've yeah. said it before. So they are revisiting some classic settings, as they said yes. before. So before mm. they said they were going to be revisiting three classic settings. Yeah. So they've revisited one, Ravenloft, this year. Yeah. It's one of the three. Next yep. year... In 2022, there are going to be two more major classic D&D settings coming out. Okay. We don't know which. Okay. So <laughs> they're keeping that information in the hats. Yeah. So is it, is it like, and that's it. So we don't know Dragonlance. We don't know Spelljammer. We don't know Dark Sun. We, we don't, don't know. We no. don't know. What we it's do know, true. what we mm-hmm. do know is that they are both in formats that they have never published products in before, they said. Mm, what is that? Same tablets. Stone tablets, yes, obviously. What does, what does that mean? Who knows what that means? Yeah. I mean, it means it's not a hardcover. It means it's not a box set. It means mm-hmm. it's not a soft cover. Yeah. Uh, it could be sort of a combination thing. They might do like a physical book, plus you can also go to this website where there's additional this or that or tools or things that help Maybe, you yeah. for oh, that setting. Yes. Yeah, you know, it yeah. could, it like, could be some like, sort of a like a combo interactive. And so if you get the book, you can mm-hmm. still play the game, but there's like this added layer of well, things that you can do. I think I have an idea because, you know, they were teasing uh, their sort of online virtual tabletop thing at the end of a survey yes. earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And it was like quite graphically 3D, heavy graphics, beautiful mm-hmm. looking thing. I yeah. wonder if that's what it's going to be. Oh, okay. Uh, sure. Just going straight to a virtual tabletop sort of thing. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. No, interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously, my bet is on audiobooks because that's yes. perfect format yeah. for RPGs. <laughs> that's going to be it. That is yeah. going to be it. Yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. I, I, I think they're going to, uh, it's going to be mime, actually. They're going oh, <laughs> to release the books in the format uh, of mime. Uh, or perhaps a downloadable video. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, so they're going to have mummers come to your. <laughs> your town and, and do yeah, a mummers yeah, play yeah, 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 yeah. to act out what the uh, rules are. You have to make sure to attend. It's either that right. or it's interpretive dance. One of the two. <laughs> I mean, this all sounds really interesting. So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm pleased that they're going to experiment with these new forms. <laughs> but anyway, so um, we got we got yes. the two new settings coming out next year, and they're right. major classic D and D settings and phrases they used. So mm-hmm. who knows? Uh, and there's also. But that's not it. There's also a peek at a third classic D and D setting that is more of a cameo than an actual setting of its own in its own right. And also that a fourth yeah. is going to make a cameo. Yeah. So I don't know how that manifests itself. I wonder yes. if if there will be a like just a bit of a setting that's part of some other 
product where like part of the adventure that you go on in this book is you, you know, you plane hop over to this world for just like a little corner of it. Or it might be just a character or an iconic monster or it could be anything. Well, that, yeah. that's not the setting doing a cameo, though, is it? It's a character from setting. Oh, yeah. Or, I mean, she's all just, you know, they're just words. So, I mean, <laughs> you're going to turn up the name. how people communicate things. Yeah, but anyway, so in 2023, <laughs> yes. another classic setting is coming. Ooh. So we've got three new classic settings. Right. Plus a peak at a, th- at a fourth, basically, right. in total. So when's their new and revised, totally not sixth edition coming out? Uh, well, so before we get to that, just yeah. sticking on the settings just for the moment. Um, the, the settings that we know nothing about. There was okay. a little hint. Uh, a hint. A hint. Hmm. Because they yeah. showed us a picture from the alternate cover of mm-hmm. one upcoming book. They didn't say uh, what upcoming book it was. And right. it was only the pencil, initial pencil sketch. Right. But it was Boo, the miniature giant space hamster. Interesting. <laughs> So, in this, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 are somehow an alternate setting? Also, or it could just be Miniature Giant Space Hamsters being a spelljammer thing. Ah, Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Right. With, with as many <laughs> um, settings that they're doing, what is it now, three settings and a cameo? Mm, ultimately over the next few years that's the plan i would not be surprised if spelljammer is one of them because how many classic fantasy kind of ish settings are you going to do if you're going to do a bunch of different settings why don't you go far afield and do one or two of the really but that's that's kind of out there ones four Mm -hmm. classic settings Mm -hmm. three classic settings in a cameo Mm -hmm. plus two all new settings Mm. and these aren't magic the gathering settings these are all new settings Okay. So that is well, now five, I just don't know. five new <laughs> settings. <laughs> um, right. Uh, and these are completely new. Um, they're in a development mm-hmm. stage at the moment mm-hmm. where they're kind of exploring the feasibility of them. So Ooh, I suppose yeah. there's a chance they might not make it through that stage because sometimes things don't. Mm. But in theory, we have five settings coming, two of which are all new, three of which are classic settings. Kate, and can I another add, can, cameo. Can I ask a question? Hmm. If if they're doing that many settings, they've already mm. hit on Forgotten Realms and Ravenloft in the past several years. What, have, they, have they done Forgotten Realms? Well, really? many, many of their adventures have been Forgotten Realms. They did do a, um, and then we're adding Forgotten Realms for seven years. We're adding we're adding that many more. Yeah, yeah I just wish they. I just wish at some point they'd set something on the Sword Coast. Finally, like just <laughs> yeah. just let us have a glimpse at the Sword Coast. It's just so yeah, underutilized. Well, with that many settings, <laughs> what? How can they not do Planescape <laughs> well, to well, connect them? Uh, well, who knows? Indeed, indeed. That that yes. that seems like a golden opportunity. Well, if, you're to, if you're going to do a lot of settings, then also connect them with also, the setting. Kind of doing Planescape this month oh. <laughs> with his oh. new Kickstarter. Yeah. He's doing a plane-based Kickstarter where a moon is crashing through various planes, and it's introducing new planes and new rules for planar travel and new plane-based races and feats and spells. It kind of feels a little Planescape-ish, maybe. Well, it's not like Wizards of the Coast and Planescape have an all-encompassing ability to say, no, no, everything is Planescape when you're doing multidimensional things. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, Charles Stross, 
uh, an author and science fiction has brought out uh, another pot, one of his Merchant Prince's books, which is all about dimensional travel. And there's, I assure you, nothing to do with Planescape. I'm pretty sure dimensional travel predates Planescape. Oh, sure. Pretty sure. I mean, I'm talking about the real dimensional travel, of course, here, not, not like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the stuff that yeah. Archimedes did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when he fell through his bath into an alternate world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, so we've got these things. We've got also some more adventure anthologies because apparently mm-hmm. um, Candlekeep was very popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they say the first of these classic settings is fairly soon. What that means, I don't know exactly, but fairly soon. Um, and also their, their kind of philosophy is to retool nostalgia and blend it with new concepts. So it's like a blend of things you know and things mm. that they've never done before. So it's like all said in the vaguest of possible so terms. So it'll tick off all the grognards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So what they why'd you break? Why'd you break Ravenloft into a bunch of pieces? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's oh, a blending yeah. of... Yeah, yeah. Demi planes of dread. Mm. Right. Right. Anyway. So anyway, um also we yes. have got Yes. Right, before we get on to the new edition, mm. we have got in January coming yes. so very, very soon, a rules expansion and gift set. Mm-hmm. Now this was apparently supposed to come out in time for the holidays this year, originally, mm-hmm. but yeah. it was delayed due to the whole worldwide apocalypse and yes. production issues and Ship yeah, things, things that are affecting everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which we all love. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it got bumped to January. Yes. But it's coming out in January. Mordenkainen, so it c- contains Xanathar, which yeah. we already have. It, it contains Tasha, yeah. which we already have. Yeah. Mordenkainen presents Monsters of the Multiverse, mm. which is a new book. Right. Um, and they're all going to be in a slipcase. Yes. Um, but this book basically is a compilation of monsters mm. that have previously been published, mm. but updated mm. into a evolved kind of stat block format. Evolved stat block format. Yeah. So it's kind of updating it with a sense of how the sort of 50th anniversary new edition stuff's going to be. Right. right. I keep saying so, new edition. It's not a new edition. I just try, I can't think of any other way to say it. They yeah, they yeah. like the term evolution. Next yeah, evolution. Well, you know. That's what they were using. Well, it evolves into a new edition. Is that is that one? Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay <laughs> Whatever whatever marketing speak term synonym you choose. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> but, so, so this, this this I mean, I don't even know what they're announcing. They're saying they're going to reprint it with the errata. Right. Are they gonna So what we got? We yeah. got improvements based on yes, errata, but also yes. feedback. Mm-hmm. Rebalancing new mm-hmm. art. Okay. In total, there's over 250 monsters. Yeah. There's 30 playable races, which right. is all of the setting agnostic races that have ever been published for 5e mm-hmm. outside yeah. the player's handbook. I can't actually think of 30. Yeah. You've I'm not got, sure there are. Th- I guess there must be if they say there are, but I cannot think got, of 30. Uh, Follows Guide to Monsters has a bunch, including some of the quote evil. Unquote races, mm. uh, like goblins, hog goblins, bugbears, um, elemental evil players, companion, which gives you Goliaths, Arakokra, deep gnomes. Yeah. Uh, there's some plain the touch out there. Yeah, some plain touch yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I still don't think there's 30. Well, I must you, be, you, know, but I you know what I bet, right? I bet they're counting all the different types of elf has one each. 
because mm-hmm. like Jerry Crawford loves elves. If 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 Elven Wizards are his bag, very much so. That, <laughs> that's what I can definitely say. If you're not playing an Elven Wizard, he didn't have time for you. He's like, why are you even playing my game? Get I am out. playing an Elven Wizard, and he still doesn't have time for me. So, <laughs> well, I, I like Elven Wizards a lot less than he does. <laughs> this may be why you're not. No, no, no. I don't think he's an Elven Wizard. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, the last thing about this monster book is yes. they're changing the way they organise it. Right. So they're alphabetizing everything. So rather than having demons... Oh, yes. No, and then the demons within the demon section, and then dragons, yes. and then the dragons within the dragon section. They're yes. alph- alphabetizing each of the demons out separately in their place in the book. So, yes. you know, a Pitfiend's so under, under P for Pitfiend, not D for demon. Old. Or is that a devil? That's a devil, isn't it? But you know what I mean? Yes, I got you. I follow. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so, they're, so they're going to take the bold stroke of alphabetizing the monster manual. Yes, exciting. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Well, that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not the monster manual, though. It's not those monsters. No, if you want new monsters, versions of mon- those monsters, you're going to have to look elsewhere. Oh, okay. So the monster manual's not being touched. What? What? What's from? Oh, it's like all the other. It's all stuff yeah. that isn't the monster manual. Yeah, is yeah, it's, yeah. It's okay. like Mordenkainen's book and stuff like that. It's okay. All the, yeah, it's not yeah. the core monster manual. Well, what have you got? You got Follow's Guide to Monsters and Mordenkainen's Tim Foes. And, and other stuff from different right. adventures and things. It's a compilation. Oh, like maybe from the adventures, like yeah, yeah. Um, what's it? Horde of the Dragon Queen and all that. Jazz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, that okay. sort of thing. Yeah. So, but if you want brand new, updated versions of monsters from the monster manual. You might yes. want to look at the Monstrous Menagerie, which is going to be part of Level Up next. Because this is very similar to what is happening with mm. the Monstrous Menagerie, I think. Well, well, that's why I'm asking when this new, sorry, this new, quote, evolution <laughs> is coming out. Right, okay. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the, the new evolution. Yes. Okay. So, evolving d d So, yes. here we go. So, <laughs> they've begun work yes. on new versions not new editions, new versions of the core rule books. The word edition, you won't find the word edition mentioned anywhere. No one will ever say the word edition. New versions new of the core rule books. Yes. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, they might be reorganized. I mean, to be fair, they could really do with a hand, like things like um, making the page numbers visible. That would be super nice. Having it, so I do not have to look in three separate places in the fifth edition player's handbook to find out what dim light does. That would be nice. Okay. That'd be nice. So maybe they maybe that's what they mean by a new version there. They're saying, okay, we decided to put all the things that you would like to know based on the feedback of people complaining about. Well, they've it. told us so very little. So this is all they've no. really told us. Right. So recent okay. surveys tie into it. Yes. Big recent survey that springs to mind is the class one. Mm. But they also say there's going to be a whole bunch more surveys coming soon. Oh, okay. So that there, it says they're still in the planning stage. Mm hmm. Uh, they're going to tell us more next year. Mm-hmm. They say it's going to be completely compatible with five years we know it. Okay. Which I think is, I mean, that's going to be a barrier that is going to be hard to cross because if they make it incompatible, mm. the entirety of the DM's guild is suddenly rendered, you know, irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. And that would have a backlash of epic proportions, I think. I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think that would go down well at all. So I think they're kind no. of, they're kind of pretty much stuck with the core infrastructure of 5e now. Yeah, I say stuck they, with it. It's a decent infrastructure. It's, it's a good infrastructure. But it's, um, it's a fair, the core mechanic is fairly solid. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, as long as you don't mess with that, yeah. then it's not undoable. Yeah. Mm. I mean, who knows? It's just they're still in the planning stages at the moment. Yeah. They're not using the word edition. 
They're using the no. words evolution and version instead, which mean totally right. different things to edition. Completely different. Yes. Yeah, they're not synonyms in the slightest. In every way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in, in fairness, I don't think they've used the word edition too often in the last 15 years. Well, they mm. don't They don't call... They don't put it on the books anymore. Yeah, they don't call 5e 5th mm. edition, do they? They just call it Dungeons mm. & Dragons. I think... Fourth edition was uh, just Dungeons and Dragons. I'm pretty yeah. sure it does third say edition fifth was ed- just Dungeons and Dragons. Pretty sure it says fifth book. edition on the back of one of the core books. The in, fifth in edition the of the world's text. most popular role playing game, kind like of thing. That, yeah. yeah, maybe yeah. something like that. Yeah. But if they're yeah. smart, they'll keep that out of the headlines because the higher that number is, the m- yeah. the more likely a potential new player is going to go. Mm. Like there's mm. so much that I don't know about this game. Yeah, yeah. Even mm-hmm. though you could totally play it, you know, just by yeah. playing whatever edition. You know, there, there are players who will balk at something if they're, if they feel like they're going to go in and there's going to be all this history and, yeah, yeah. and institutional think, knowledge yeah, of the yeah, game yeah, that they yeah. don't have. You know, it, I mean, it's in 2024, which is the 50th anniversary of D&D. Right. Yeah. 1974 being when D&D. Right, so it's right. in 2024. So I suspect they might call it an anniversary edition or something or the anniversary Ooh. version or, and just, or just the anniversary core rule books or something. Right. right. And they'll just instead they'll just quietly stop printing the old ones without sort of announcing that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Why? Why am I? I'm just guessing. We, 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 we are just guessing, but I mean that's like what two years? Well, it's talking about depending when in the year it is. Yeah, mm, true, yeah. true. Like they generally tend to go for like mid-year as well. Like you know, get that big sum yeah. of all their sales. Yeah. But we're talking like two to three years, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Probably two years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Something like that. No. Yeah, it's so that's nice. so that's the new edition. Yeah. Stroke I evolution, mean, stroke version, stroke. <laughs> it seems like a long time to wait to like have the problems with D&D fixed when there's like this new game coming out. Which, well, it's interesting uh, that they're announcing it this yeah. early, but I guess the reason they're announcing it this early is because they want to do so much surveying mm. that they can't really do that in secret. And they, no, it's because uh, they knew you would bring out a Kickstarter, and they were like, "We, we, we have to defeat Morris." <laughs> they were they were planning they were planning to wait a year and a half to announce all <laughs> yeah, of this. Yeah. Yeah. I very much doubt they're even aware. Of <laughs> what's their handle, chap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So that, that that's that's the news on the new edition. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you see this is good news, bad news? What's your general kind of thought generally? Um. It, Needs doing. I mean, twenty twenty four will also be like its tenth uh, birthday. So you know, tenth birthday or fifth edition. So there's a lot of feedback they've been having. Mm. I think I can probably say it's one of the games that they will receive the most feedback on of anywhere, mm. like of any time. Yeah, like yeah, there's just so many more players, so many more people doing it, and the ease of communication and surveys and all that. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. easy to do as well these days. Because yeah, back, yeah, back, back then, it would have been sort of like literally a survey form tucked in the book, which you yes. had to take out and mail yeah, to them yeah. or something, you know. Yeah, which sounds like a lot of effort. Yes, which um, I, I certainly never did. No, no. Um, and so, yeah, now I've got access to huge amounts of information, huge amounts of people telling them presumably what it is they want and what it is they do and do not like. Mm. And um, all of those people agree, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure it's all one unanimous voice and there's no dissension whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I for one, am glad I do not have to do the data entry. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, so should we move on? Because Critical Role <clears throat> has announced Campaign <clears throat> 3. 
the return of Critical Role. Exciting. So they are launching on October the 21st, is the return date. Mm-hmm. Thursday yeah. night, 7 p.m. PT. was PT? Pacific, Pacific time. time. Pacific time. Mm-hmm. On YouTube and Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, Matthew Mercer was going to be running the game again. Not really a surprise there. Um, so yeah, if you if you wanna if you wanna start watching Critical World again, that is the date. It's like three weeks from now. Excellent. Three weeks yesterday as we record this. Um, it looks like apparently they're going to stick with pre-recorded episodes for now rather than be live. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading this off bleeding call, so I don't know how true all of this is, but um, mm-hmm. uh, and it looks like they're going to a proper set with a table rather than like a sort of social distancing setup. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, there's not a lot of information to go by other than it's coming soon. Oh. But Critical Role is kind of like the biggest thing in the entire world when it comes to D&D, so... It's oh. just a new evolution of Critical Role. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's you can still go back. It's perfectly compatible with your previous editions of Critical Role. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, oh. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I'm not... I haven't really watched a lot of Critical Role. I think I might... It's four hours at a time, isn't it? I think that's my barrier. It's, it's, just yeah. too, it's too long. If it, was, if it was shorter and I could get it in, you know, like a one-hour podcast, I think I'd probably be a big fan and I'd listen to every... Because I'd just walk it, listen to it while walking the dog. Mm. But uh, yeah, four hours is such a big time chunk and I could be yeah. working. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> like a... Is it, is it video, mostly? Yeah. Or is it supposed... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's Twitch uh, is, the, is the primary. Uh, yeah, a long, a long time for something that is a, basically a radio play. Because mm. the visual is there are people talking and gurning, and they do an excellent job. They are voice actors, after all. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it sounds like a radio play waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, so, Peter, when are you going to return the Diana Jones Award? Because um, it's gone <laughs> missing. <laughs> and you are my prime suspect. You can prove nothing. <laughs> so there's only one award trophy for the Diana Jones yes. Awards, and it's yes. like a, a pyramid. It's a big old hunk of plastic with a copy of the Indiana Jones RPG partially burnt inside it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, correct. So there's only one, um, and it gets mm-hmm. um, transferred from one winner to the next each year. Like the trophy's right. passed on, so you get to hold on to it for a year. Okay. So what what happened this year was the 2019 winner, who was Alex Roberts, yes. shipped the trophy to one of the 2020 honorees, Morris Broadus, last September. Yes. But the package never arrived. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, nobody knows what's happened to it. It's gone missing. It's vanished, disappeared into the ether. So if if you are part of the a i think it went from canada to the us is where the mm. where yeah canada to indianapolis was the was the trip right so it's either canadian or the us postal service lost it it might not be the us postal service it might be a courier unless it's a courier yeah i guess yeah i don't know but anyway or it might just be the us postal service uh struggling under the fact that it keeps on having its budget cut because that's the thing or maybe yeah. maybe like the Diana Jones Award has been kidnapped and it's going to appear for ransom later. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's very, very unlikely that anyone would go to all the trouble of working out the logistics of it going from place to place and arranging for the parcel to be intercepted so that it could be dumped into a, a trench in the middle of an ocean. 
that would inquire like a lot of international logistics, um, hiring of people, interviewing. Like, I mean, do you have any idea how difficult it is to get a ship to go into the sea for, for you right now? Really tricky, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> you had nothing no. to do with it, and you no. and you're standing by that statement, are you? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I have no knowledge whatsoever of any like midnight shenanigans involving breaking into <laughs> a parcel depot in order to identify the package which had already had a secure tracer tag inserted into it previously. That is something that's completely outside of my mm. ken. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if it's going to show up or not. It's just- Weird, but I guess they might have to make a new one. I'm gonna get there's there are copies of the Indiana Jones RPG out there. I've got one, so it's not like right. They can't get hold of a copy. They could probably go on eBay and pick one up. So they could presumably remake it. They could, I guess, or or do something different, or maybe it will show up. I don't know. Anyway, you talk about shipping issues. A second, you alluded to them. I I, I was saying that I I have no knowledge whatsoever of any shipping issues whatsoever. So you mm. can't prove nothing. Well, Time Magazine knows about shipping issues. Really? Because what it has reported magazine? on the shipping crisis affecting the tabletop gaming industry. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, so it, they talked to multiple sources. So um, uh, Greater Than Games, Fireside Games, um, you know, lo- a, lo- a lot of different um, companies about shipments that were like uh, scheduled to arrive in February. And still haven't arrived yet. And it's now just starting October. Um, There's a a company called Dust Studios who is closing because their shipments haven't arrived. And they've actually had to close their doors. You know, um, it's getting so bad that some major retailers like Costco and Walmart and Ikea and um, places Mm -hmm. like that are actually Mm -hmm. chartering their own shipping vessels. Okay, in order to make sure stuff happens. To try and bypass some of these problems. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Which obviously is what a tabletop gaming company probably can't do unless you're actually (laughs) Hasbro or something. You know. Um, Yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, and also, um, um, you know, prices are obviously having to go up because the shipping costs mm. are ballooning. Yes. Um, so it is a, and that's why the, uh, uh, Wolves expansion gift share, I mean, it only got delayed till, um, January instead of December, but even Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro is being affected by this, let mm. alone smaller company. So yeah, and Time Magazine is covering it because it's a massive issue. It's not, yeah. you know, it's the board game industry, it's the tabletop game, it's, it's a lot of industries, obviously, that need stuff shipped from, Primarily, yeah. China is the is mm-hmm. that route is the worst affected route. Mm-hmm. I think Europe to the US has been affected, but nowhere nearly as badly. Mm-hmm. Luckily, because that's the one I'll be using yes. for, for stuff. But even that is still slower and more expensive than it was a year ago. Yeah, I mean, has um, a small independent creator, uh, Craig? It sounds like quite a challenging and brewing time. I've seen a lot of people very worried about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've seen people with like in the indie space, um, with with their books are just like, oh well, I'm kind of screwed mm. <laughs> as mm. far as uh, certain yeah. things. Yeah. I mean, I Nerdburger Games has published two games where we did an offset print run, mm. um, mm-hmm. like in a proper print print so shop. What, what did you print in the U.S.? But so- I printed both of them in the U.S. Yeah, yes. And that's the thing. I like the well, and and both during the pandemic. Thank you. Mm. You're welcome. <laughs> so I've got piles of books sitting in warehouses. Huh, um, right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, conventions are starting up again, again. So I get to start selling them again. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's like I, I'm not even considering the I, I, 
I was hesitant to print outside the U.S. to begin with just because um, I've, I've heard the horror stories of like something getting hung up in customs and you got a bunch of charges all of a sudden that just magically appear. And like that, that'll break the bottom line on a little tiny company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like for any of the indie folks that are out there, the smaller companies and even you know, well, some of the that, bigger RPG companies that, that print over, that are printing overseas, like, yeah, but that's the thing okay. I can't, I, uh, we, I we, use, um, works out. we use a company called ShipQuest over here who ships stuff. So we, we, we print in Lithuania. Um, it comes by truck to us here in the UK to uh, a warehouse owned by ShipQuest. And then they handle the distribution, say, over to the US. But basically, we're kind of lucky into uh, they've got their customs food all sorted out. They've been doing it for a while. And, you know, it's all, it all goes smoothly, which is nice. So I can't, you know, I can't, I, I heartily recommend the use of a fulfillment company for the thing because it's so helpful. Well, I just this week got, some things squared away where I'm going to get some of those books that have been sitting in warehouses here mm. um, shipped to the UK, actually. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I which, is, so, which is hard to do. I think we might be covering the end of the news because it was pretty much dominated by the D&D stuff. I'm just going to scan through to see if there's anything I may have missed. Anything major? We've got a couple of big Kickstarters. One from Monty Cook, which we mentioned earlier. There's a big one from Mothership, yes. the Mothership RPG Ooh, box set. Yes. Is uh, that's got a Kickstarter coming soon page up with something like four thousand people have signed up to that. So that's going to be massive. No, nice. million dollar RPGs. Matt yeah. Tenares, Tenares, Tenares yeah. RPG, the one with the <laughs> free dragon on the first day. Oh yeah, yeah, that finished yesterday, I think, or the day before, like in the last day or two, at just okay. over two million. So they nice. did over a million in the first day. Like 1.2 million on the first day and then about another million throughout the rest of the campaign. So it was very, very front loaded because of that free dragon. Mm. That standard U shape that you get for them was more like an L than a U. (laughs) (laughs) Or possibly a V, maybe. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that ends. That's another million dollar Kickstarter this year on the, on the, on the pile. And I suspect it looks like that mothership with. Maybe this is a candidate for another one. Monty Cook's Plane Breaker may be a candidate for one. I don't know. We'll see. Mm. See what happens. I just did the calculation. Mm. Um, It would take me 74,000 backers. Wow. (laughs) To to do a million dollars on my next Kickstarter. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Well, part part of that, a lot of the million dollar Kickstarters, the individual pledge levels often include miniatures and things, which whack the individual average pledge level up massively. To sort of like a hundred, hundred and twenty dollars or something. Mm-hmm. Or as for yours, your average pledge level is going to be what ten or something? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen. That's yeah. It's going to be the exact average. <laughs> well, oh right, everybody. is that the only pledge level? It's yeah. the only pledge level. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So yeah, so you know, um, part of that. So, but I don't know how profitable that makes your Kickstarter though, just because you've got miniatures mm-hmm. and you've got dice and you've got. And you're shipping all these things around the world and none of those are VAT free and things like that. So you're paying mm-hmm. taxes and customs and all those things. What we better mention, actually, very quickly, what are we doing mm-hmm. on Tuesday, Peter? Oh, what, Tuesday, the 5th of October? Mm, at roughly 5 p.m. British time. 
Oh, we'll probably be having my tea. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, of course, it's the um, thing that we've been waiting for for over a year for me personally. And sounds like two years for you, which is the announcement of the one, the only, the Level Up Advanced 5th Edition Kickstarter. Kickstarter launches at 5pm UK time on Tuesday, which if you're listening to this on Saturday, the day it goes out is in three days time. Okay. Yes, that's 4pm if you're working in Universal Time. Um, because of course we we're still on British summertime until the end of October. But anyway, that, that aside, um, so were we done? Were we done for the news? I think we are done. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. So in that case, I think yes. we should play yeah. our favourite game in all the world. The game where. I read out the name of a Kickstarter, and you try and guess what it is from just the name. <laughs> Craig, do you remember this game from... Uh, from um, we- yes, I do remember this game, and I remember that at the time, um, I was awarded the most points that were ever awarded, and I was the number one all-time winner of the game. Wow. At that time, I'm not sure if somebody has surpassed me since. Probably that is going to require quite the follow up, Finn. No, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bone it. I'm gonna just. <laughs> <laughs> we shall yeah. see. So, who would like to go first? Well, I mean, Craig apparently is the is the reigning champion. No, I didn't uh, say that. I mean, I've scored scored the most points that has ever been awarded. That does sound like reigning champion. All, to me, all so. I did last time, as I recall, all I did last time was I. I made something up that tickled Russ so well that he awarded a lot of points. <laughs> <laughs> I got lucky is what had happened. Okay. So, Peter, let's let you go first, shall we? Okay. All right. So, are you ready? Yeah. Hit me. What okay, then. What yeah. is mm-hmm. Into the Odd? Um, is this a Kickstarter? Yes. Oh. Okay. So, it is a... Uh, new edition of the Into the Odd role-playing game, it sounds like, um, which is sort of uh, fancy, I think it is. It's all about exploration. Uh, you basically but, know what uh, it is then, yeah. So it's yeah, a... I, I got, okay. <laughs> it's a rules-like, flavor-heavy role-playing yeah. game of industrial yeah. horror and cosmic strangeness. Yeah. Which looks kind of cool, but because you kind of mm. knew what that was, we'll skip on to another... <laughs> we'll, well, I, I, I hadn't seen the Kickstarter already, but... Okay, but you know what, Into the Odd was. So I do not. It's five points for Peter. Okay. <laughs> I award five points to Peter. Oh, thank you, Craig. For, so being, for being up to speed on Into the Odd. Okay, well, you can donate, well five, of, you can donate well five of your points to Peter, but you okay, can't I'm, give I'm, five I'm, of I'll my I, I will do that. I'm now five in the hole. <laughs> are, we do, are, we doing, are we doing credit? Okay, yes, we're doing credit. Nice. <laughs> is, there, is there interest on these points? Does he have to return them at any time? <laughs> What's the vig? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it will be resolved today, so this won't be run for Okay, then. Anyway. So, Peter, what is yes. The Long Dark? Oh. Uh, that sounds really familiar. Uh, the Long Dark. Um, I guess, like, you know what? It sort of reminds me of, it's evoking for me, like, um, I think there was a comic book, uh, graphic novel sort of jazz came out. No, that was 30 Days in Darkness, and that was all about vampires, um, a ta- a vampires yeah. in an Alaskan town. I saw the film, yes. yes. Yeah. No, it's not that. Okay. Why am I telling you it's not that? I just, it might well, be well, that. Maybe it's that. I'm not, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> is uh, that uh, your guess? Is, 
And this, this is why we don't play poker. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I have a very bad hand. <laughs> oh, no. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, so the long dark. Um, of course, I this like could all think. be a, a long bluff. And when we do one day come to play po- poker, you'll be so convinced that you can read me. And it's all been a long con ready for that game. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I might be that good. I associate with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like skilled bluffing and long con. That, that's, that's totally on brand. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, oh, dear me. Sorry. Anyway, the, but, long, uh, the long dark. The, the long dark. I think this would be a... Well, wait a minute. Confusing. It's not actually called the long dark. Oh, I had an idea. I had a great right, so, answer. Okay, so <laughs> how odd. No, so I was clicking on Egg Embry's column, and here he's called it the Long Dark. I clicked through to the actual Kickstarter. It's actually yeah. called When Dark Falls. Right. Unless the name changed at some point, oh, which I suppose well, is yeah. possible, but it's actually called When Dark Falls, not the Long Dark. Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to go for. It doesn't, it doesn't change what I'm guessing too much because I'm going for um, horror uh, as part of the basis. Uh, the long dark makes me think slightly more post-apocalyptic, but either way, that also works. So sort of like horror-based, post-apocalyptic, uh, about the end of the world. Um, is it because the sun's gone out? Is that why we're going for like a literal long dark or a literal when darkness falls? Um, themes of chaos, ruination. Uh, and I think, yeah, and it's probably going to be an original system, probably with a focus towards storytelling. Hmm. All right. So I will give you a point for the sun going out. Okay. So what this is, is a yeah. dark fantasy, <coughs> pardon me, a dark fantasy yeah. setting where the mm-hmm. dead rise to protect the living. Oh. So every 90 mm-hmm. years, this world of Beron is subject mm-hmm. to 10 years of darkness Eek. and the shining eyes of the gods close and monsters boil forth from the depths below to devour all in their path. And humanity is protected by armies of the dead called the Corpse Guard who, sta- who return to life during Nightfell and stand watch mm-hmm. over the cities and strongholds. Huh. That's creepy as hell. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I, quite, I quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> So this is um, a based on the Tomb Punk um, RPG. It's a setting for the Tomb right. Punk RPG, mm-hmm. and yeah. it had a two hundred and twenty-two pound, uh, three hundred dollar goal, and it's uh, it's done three thousand seven hundred forty-four. So it's uh, yeah, it's, oh, nice. it's uh, over ten times funded, and it has yes. twenty. Oh, it has twenty-two minutes to go. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, news. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, if you're listening to this, you can't actually back this because yeah. it has 22 minutes to go. But it looks very cool, and maybe you could have backed it. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps you already did, in which case you can feel smack. Good work. <laughs> oh, that's, un- that's unfortunate. Okay, so yeah. uh, one point there, Peter. Yeah, <laughs> right then, Craig, are you ready? Sure. So what is a far and away... No. Far Away Land. Fact. Far, oh, away is, land. Uh, far Away Land colon adventures in the materiosphere. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Sorry. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm not sure how Materiosphere works into that. It's just a, a name that the creator of this gave to the place. But Faraway Land makes me think an awful lot of like, um, uh, like a Fey realm kind of fantastical. Um, you know, the the the, the Fey left Earth and went to this place called Faraway or Faraway Land or something like that. And uh, uh, what was the full title? Into Adventures in the Materio Sphere. What was the first part? Faraway Land. Colon. Just Faraway Land. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Sure. So it's about uh, you know human beings going to that place. And exploring and, and meeting the fey creatures and wandering around the materiosphere or the faraway land or whatever they call it. Okay. So, Faraway Land is an existing RPG. There you go. And this is <laughs> a book for that RPG. Um, and it is, they describe itself as Gonzo Cosmic Expansion Core Rulebook for the Faraway Land RPG. So, uh, Faraway Land is, uh, I'm just quickly, um, it's a simple D6 dice pool, kid friendly, introducing kids to role playing, but also good for veteran players. Um, and this Gonzo Cosmic Expansion, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of reading, reading through it. It's, uh, space exploration, space travel, combat, new worlds, new species, new powers and abilities for the faraway land RPG is, uh, as I understand this. Mm-hmm. So I was 100% wrong. Told you I'd yeah. it. It's very, ca- <laughs> it's, it's very sort of cartoony comic book art. Hmm. Um, a 380-page book, full color, mm-hmm. lots and lots of in- illustrations, uh, over 360 illustrations, mm. it says. So that's nearly wow. one per wow. page. Yeah. Uh, and that, cool, that includes character creation, combat, building custom ships, crews, power armor, mutant, cybernetics, zoot suits, Spaceship combat, a bestiary of over 130 creatures, Sorry, pre-made ships, suits? zoot suits, <laughs> um, a massive lore, oh. space travel, embassy. Oh, I, I really don't miss this stuff. Loads of stuff. Yeah. So, so you can have suits with really big padded shoulders that help you look a bit like a wedge of cheese. I guess so. Ha- ha- has modeled by Jim Carrey in his role in The Mask. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, that is a thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so this uh, this had a goal of five hundred dollars, and it has made three thousand three hundred twelve dollars. It has eighteen days to go. This one, so you can back nice. this one. Excellent. Right. So what's the score at the moment? Six points to Peter because yeah, it's a negative five. And, uh, yeah, because you donated five oh, to Peter. I donated five points in, on credit, and I haven't gotten. <laughs> well, are, you, are, you, are you now allow, regretting allow this? Me. Allow, allow, allow me to donate Craig five points. Uh, <laughs> That's not how this game works. <laughs> you sure? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like you know the rules. Sounds, sounds, <laughs> sounds to me and Peter like it. This is how it works. Uh, I mean, in a democracy, technically, of course, uh, we have your voting. <laughs> it is not a democracy. It is controlled uh, by the all-important spreadsheet, as you know. We are all subject to the whims of the spreadsheet. All hail the spreadsheet. Oh, hail. <laughs> the, the spreadsheet is all powerful. Okay. Oh, Everyone, welcome oh, our oh. new spreadsheet masters. <laughs> so, the, the next two, I think they're quite easy. So, you're only going to get half points for these. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, Peter, are you ready? I'm not going to know this one. Go ahead. <laughs> well, this, this one's. This one's yeah, is, is, yeah. is it Peter or is it? Yeah, it's Peter. It's, Peter. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's me. Yeah. Okay. What is apocalyptic record? Apocalyptic record. Mm. Mm, I think this is an RPG which is all about a um, record shop 
which is still going after the end of the world as we know it. Uh, and roving bands of musicians and music enthusiasts, enthusiasts go back and forth across the, uh, wastelands to get old sheet music and recordings and bring it together so that people can properly vibe and all built around apocalypt, apocalyptic record. <laughs> the, uh, the record shop upon which it's based. I love that idea so much that I think there should be a film of that. I don't know about a game, but there should be a film of that. Yeah, sounds fun. It's completely wrong. Netflix series. <laughs> completely wrong. Oh, <laughs> no, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so what, what this is, is it appears to be an history book of the world of darkness, more specifically the werewolf, the apocalypse sort of end of it. So the werewolf, uh, yes, the history of the werewolf. So it's a 180 page history of the werewolves in World of Darkness. Right. So you can do homework about your favourite RPG. Yes, basically. Box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a deluxe hardcover. Yes. Kind of works as a setting supplement and source book. Kind of deluxe Ooh. leatherette. Um, there's also a deluxe leatherette Ooh. edition with, um, with, a, with a ribbon. <sighs> oh, I was just going to ask about the ribbon. Are you sold Good now? Times. Are you sold now on the ribbon? I'm a lot more sold than I was, yeah. I've got to say. Yeah. <laughs> what? you got a ribbon? It's like really classy. <laughs> so unfortunately, you're going to get minus five points for your completely wrong guess. But, no, but I did like it very much and think they should make a film. So that means you are now on one point, I believe. Excellent. So Craig's minus five. <laughs> so Craig, can it's you it's score it's six points on this one? No. It's big. I think you might be able fine. to. We believe in okay. you. Okay, what is Mecha and Monsters Evolve? Uh, it's an expansion to the Mecha and Monsters game, which is about people in Mecha fighting monsters. Yes. <laughs> That's a total guess. I don't know this game at it's all. It's a 200-page update and upgrade of Tiny Frontiers Mecha and Monsters, which is a oh, tiny DC-powered tiny, tiny, RPG. Tiny, yep. And yeah, mm-hmm. Pacific Rim, Godzilla, King Kong and stuff use mechs to fight mm-hmm. giant monsters. Um, so yes, sure. I will give you seven points for that. <laughs> <laughs> which I think makes you the winner. Um, this is done well. It's got a week left to go. Had 15 grand goal. It's done nearly 18,000 as we speak. So it's doing very well. Uh, yeah, well, those those tiny D6 games, man, they they punch out a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. They've got a great little audience that mm. just like gobbles it up. There's always, if you, if, you, if you can think of a genre, they've done it or are doing it soon. And who doesn't like <laughs> mecha punching monsters? Anyway. <laughs> you you are the winner of hey, oh, our favourite game in all the world you get to take home the metaphorical trophy which is a smug sense of self-satisfaction congratulations oh, and nice. well done no our turnip delivery hasn't arrived again second week running <sighs> I feel like I'm getting turnip withdrawal symptoms is there a turnip shortage or something from what I hear the turnip farms are overflowing with excess turnips. Well, so what's the problem then? Give me my turnips. I did head down to the turnip store in the village, and there was a queue stretching all the way to Barnickshire. I just turned around and came home. Maybe I just didn't get the memo when it's International Turnip Day. <laughs> no, no, no. Today's International Avocado Day. Oh, right. So... Why is everybody desperately trying to buy turnips? Well, they 
are delicious. Well, granted, they are delicious. Nectar of the Gods and all that. Voted 12 years in a row as Troll Ration Monthly as the Nine Kingdoms' favourite foodstuff. And with good reason. But that really doesn't explain why everybody is only buying all the turnips. I know. I mean, I like turnips as much as the next man. And he likes them very much indeed. Right. But I know my turnip limits. Three to four turnips a day is enough for me. Who needs to stock up on so many turnips? I heard a rumour that it was the town crier's fault. Town crier? On earth does she have to do with turnip production? Well... She was doing her regular 6pm uh, cry and mentioned that Burvis Stockbottom over in Little Badgerton had run out of turnips. What? Burvis Stockbottom, the famous turnip stew connoisseur? That's him. Anyway, the news spread and soon all the gossip was that there was a massive turnip shortage. But, but, but there isn't a turnip shortage. There's tons of turnips. Yes, but it doesn't matter if there isn't a turnip shortage, as long as people think there's a turnip shortage. Right, right. So everybody's rushing out to stock up on turnips. Mm. Hence the long queues. Right, right. But why doesn't Lord Whittletop just get the town criers to say there's not a turnip shortage? Well, he did. But any peasant can walk down to the town square and see the long lines to buy turnips and the empty turnip carts. Ah, <laughs> I see. And then they all go and write on the book of faces and tell everyone that there aren't turnips and Lord Whittletop is covering it up, blah, blah, blah. Precisely. Why would he make an announcement there isn't a turnip shortage if there wasn't a turnip shortage? He doesn't go around announcing that there's not a radish shortage. Well, that still doesn't help us with the turnip deliveries, does it? I mean, I might have to eat a parsnip. I myself do like a good parsnip, but we all know it's no turnip. I mean, we have carrots and radishes and potatoes and swedes. I guess we could just make do until the hubbub dies down. You know, we could start a rival rumour. A rival rumour? Yes, or we could start a rumour that there's an artichoke shortage. Oh, I don't know. That would upset the artichoke guild. You know how they can be. We'll be careful. Nobody will know it was us. It could be a secret leaflet campaign. Right. And then everybody will be so busy stocking up on artichokes that we'll be free to buy as many turnips as we like. Did you say there's an artichoke shortage? Oh, no. I better buy all the artichokes I can. It's an... Excellent plan. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to mention our Patreon. Peter, are you familiar with our Patreon? Oh, is it uh, patreon.com slash Morris? Yes. M-O-R-R-U-S. At patreon.com forward slash Morris, you can find our Patreon, which is what pays for our podcast and buys That's- us all these wonderful microphones and... Yes. Mixers and other little bits and pieces. And wires. So many wires. And all these wires. Uh, we have a load of wonderful Patreon backers at the moment. And yes. those backers get... We cherish you all. Yes, we do cherish them very much. And those backers yes. get bonus content every single week, just as a thank you for uh, for backing our Patreon. And because they're so awesome and so quick off the mark, they also get to like talk to us in our Discord channel, which is pretty good. 
Mm. And we sometimes even deign to answer that. Uh, but even more importantly, when we have guests coming onto the show, they have the opportunity to ask questions of those guests. Um, mm. And then we will pass on the questions that we think we, our guests will answer. So please, if you do enjoy the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris. Link will be in the show notes. Yes. And support us, even with just a dollar a month. Every little, every little bit helps. Right, so shall we now start talking about Secrets of the Vibrant Isle? Sure. <laughs> we can talk about that. So we might as well, yeah. So, um, so Craig, t- t- tell me, tell me, what is a Vibrant Isle and what are its secrets? <laughs> well, you'll have to play the game to find out. Oh, um, no. <laughs> Spiders. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm launching a Kickstarter for a, um, a solo RPG, a solo fantasy RPG. Mm-hmm. Launching on, uh, well, right alongside your Kickstarter <laughs> for Level Up. <laughs> um, so that'll be Tuesday, October the 5th. Correct. Um, yes. Yeah. So, and that'll, you know, it, basically the, the game is like the, the, the concept of the game is your, your character shipwrecks on this island. Um, you've been looking for it. It's kind of a place of legend known as the Vibrant Isle. It's this like place that, you know, it's hard to find. People who get there a lot of times can't tell you how to get back, so forth like that. So you shipwreck there and then you explore the island and you can do all sorts of things like protect your camp that you set up. You can uh, go and scavenge the shipwreck, um, go out on explorations and just wander the island and look for things. And um, you can ultimately also encounter the inhabitants of the island. There's a community that's there. And uh, your ultimate ultimate goal in the game is to kind of prove to the island, um, which is kind of mystical and magical, and also prove to the inhabitants that you are worthy of being there. And if you can't do that in the limited amount of time you have, the island kicks you off and d- doesn't let you come back. <laughs> so that's that's the the basic crux of the of the game. So. You say it's a solo RPG. I've never actually played a solo RPG, but I have played fighting fantasy books and choose your own adventures and um, those sorts of things. What's in in the sort of continuum between that and a sort of fully fledged group tabletop RPG? Where where would a a solo RPG kind of sit? I'd say it kind of falls in between. I mean, I kind of do think of it as a cross between, or at least this one, the game that I've designed, as a cross between a rules light RPG and a choose your own adventure kind of game because you will make a variety of choices about things that you're going to do but then you ultimately you're not just making those choices and and having the story told to you you're also going to encounter things and do things and make trait checks and have success and failure um and you can you know you'll find equipment and you'll lose equipment and you'll gain magical blessings and also curses and you'll meet creatures on the island and you'll run across nuisances on the island that stick with you and cause problems you know you'll have you'll have ways of making choices that kind of lead you through your story but then also you know there's a random element to it so they're like so, so is it kind of turned to page x in the same way that those old fighting fantasy books were is it does it work like that there's a fair bit of that yeah there's a number of different things that you can do that you have your, like your core five or core four four or five how did that end up shaking out but you've got um like your core uh choices that you can make to do one of them is to explore the island and that one opens up much broader. It's much bigger. And you roll um, percentile dice 
to um, explore the island. And if you roll doubles, you encounter the inhabitants and you go to that section of the book where you start to encounter the inhabitants. And there's a series of encounters that you go through. It's like where you first just glimpse kind of what they look like from afar. And then one of, you know, that a member of the inhabitants is gone. Um, and then the next time you encounter them, you learn a little bit more about them and you develop them as you go. They're not defined in the book. You'll actually kind of world build them as you go with a, with a list of uh, like a D10 list of to roll on for each of the stages that you go through, or you can just pick what you think is interesting for your personal story that you're putting together. And then eventually you become like friends with them and they invite you into their community and so forth. If you don't roll doubles, you go to one of the 90 explorations that are all over the place from like fighting a, you know, fell beast to encountering a, uh, a creature that invites you to bake cookies and fill up the cookie jars for the cookie jar for the, for the cookie party that's coming up. <laughs> so. It, you know, there's it, the, the, the fantastical side of the island goes from like, you know, kind of dark corners to also just kind of weird and fanciful and, um, and wondrous. Hmm. So, I mean, like, like I said, I've never played a solo RPG. How long would it take you to play through this game? Is it, is it a multi session, a single session? Uh, how, how does it kind of work in play? There's essentially two modes to play. You can play it as kind of a straight adventure game where you're shooting for that goal of being able to stay on the island. And you can play that out in about, depending on how fast you roll and kind of keep track of things, maybe two hours. Um, and the game is set up in such a way that you could do that in little chunks too. Like you, since you're tracking your time on the island, you could stop after seven days on the island and just come back. You could do half hour here, half hour there. But there's also options included for if you want to journal about your character's adventures or map the island as you go. And so that could expand that two hours out into three, four, five, six, depending on how how deep you want to go with everything. Uh, we had we had playtesters who played it in, in a variety of different ways. And, you know, because of the random encounters that they run across um, and how their characters started, they started with kind of different characters with stats and they changed and gained things differently. They had very different play experiences. And then also, you know, the, whether or not it's like an hour and a half or two hours and then or somebody else that like journaled the whole thing and, you know, took four hours to play. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that I've seen quite a lot of solo RPGs over the last few years. And I don't know whether I've just, it's just like confirmation bias and I've started noticing them and they've always been there or whether they, like, like they've increased in popularity recently. Have you had any sense, any feeling on whether that's a thing or not? Or am I imagining it? I've, I've been noticing them more as well. I think they're just kind of finally getting across the ocean. I think part of the, a part of it is I, from my understanding is that they're, they've become very popular, um, kind of in, uh, Eastern Asia, in like in Japan, Korea, South, right. South Korea. There's a number of places where there, there have been designers that have been creating a lot of these solo games and they've become very popular. And so I think that like, again, you know, the kind of global community that we're dealing with is that like once something becomes popular over, you know, in one area or with one sub community, mm. it's only a matter of time before it just kind of, if it's, if it's something cool, if it's something fun, if it's something good, yeah. it eventually just kind of bleeds out into other areas and, the, and other people go, Hey, look at this. You know, I never thought to do something like this. This is, let's, let's try this. Yeah. Well, in a sense, it's kind of like almost like an obvious idea. If you think of RPGs as kind of like the analog version of maybe a video game. So you get multiplayer video games. But then you get single-player video games. So why wouldn't you have multiplayer and single-player RPGs? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's just a question of how you design the engine of the game. Like with a with a mm. single-player video game, you have an AI basically that's kind of running how 
your character interacts with that video game world to some extent. There's like, there's, there's, there's a program, right? That's, that's designed to, to deal with you and present, you know, and, and create an interesting entertainment avenue for you. And then with, you know, with a, with a written game, it's, it's just the same thing. It's like, you could, you could almost, I mean, there was a point where I considered doing this much more closely to like the idea of a choose your own adventure where you like you can go from this page to that page to that page to that page to that page by making different choices. And then you'd have to make, you know, instead of just deciding one way or the other, you know, I, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. You make that choice. You'd have to make a trait check. Well, I'm going to try this or I'm going to try that. Maybe I'll try something a little more like that down the road because as I examined the idea, I thought that's really complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what comes first then? The idea of having a sort of exploration game on this fantasy island, or was it I want to make a solo game? Which one? Which one came first, and which one followed on from the other? Strangely enough, the artwork came first. Oh right, okay, okay. I came across artwork by a woman named Gemma. She's at Ashen Wave on Twitter, mm. and the artwork is this really brilliant, colorful. Kind of a lot of lot of saturated colors, very fantastical stuff that she does. That's basically, um, you know, it's not fan art type stuff. It's not geared around something specific. It's just her imagination, and she's got she's done a bunch of it. And I I really kind of like it, and um, so I started following her on Twitter. And I, maybe a year later, I got in touch with her and said, "Would you ever be interested in licensing any of your artwork?" Because I'm an RPG designer, and if I can think of a game that kind of fits what you do with your art, mm. I think this would be perfect. It's it's wonderful artwork. She said, "Sure," and so that sat for about a year <laughs> right, yeah. until a friend of mine, Derek Kamal, earlier this year launched a Kickstarter for um, a solo RPG called The Broken Cask, mm. um, where you play a tavern owner in a fantasy world, and you take care of the tavern and manage it and um, deal with patrons and send adventurers I off on quests. I think, yeah. I'm fairly sure we mentioned that one, actually. It rings a bell. You yeah. may have. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I know Derek, so I picked his brain a little bit. And then I had also been kind of in my head over the course of the past few years thinking about trying to do something that's kind of inspired by Lost, the TV show. Right. People okay. go to an island. They're trapped there. What do they find? As long as um, it has a better ending than Lost the TV yeah. show. <laughs> well, we can have an argument about that if you want. <laughs> but the point is that I just like all three of those things kind of coalesce together. And rather than doing something kind of mysterious, lost style, I, I said, oh, well, I could use this artwork and do this kind of, you know, more whimsical sort of thing and make it mm. a solo game. And so there we go. Hmm. So, I mean, so solo game is, you know, it's, it's a, a choice between a solo game and a, a, a standard group game. Why, why solo as opposed to a standard, you know, a game for, for, a, for a group of people? What was their sort of thought, thoughts behind, behind that direction? To be honest, I don't think I, I never really thought about doing it as a, a multiplayer game, you know, GMless or not, mm. because I have this terrible habit. Um, with the games that I designed that like each of them is like a personal challenge to me. I, I do, yeah. I do something a little different every time I try this, I try that to see if I can do it. And I had never mm. done a solo game. So I thought, well, I can see if I can do this. And so that's kind of where that went from. Although in fairness, um, you know, the idea came out of my head. Um, I designed the system for it, but I brought a co-designer in, um, who's getting, fair fair and equal credit to me for the actual full design of the game mm. because I thought, well, if I'm going to be coming up with all these fantastical explorations and encounters and things, um, there's things that my brain just doesn't look 
to. Like there's like ideas that I won't come up with. Yeah. Um, so I got my friend Shireen Gilchrist to and asked her, hey, do you want to design this game with me? And she wrote more of she, – she wrote like 70% of the um, – Right, right. Of the encounters. So we had a lot of fun with that too. And like it, it, it's been a while since I collaborated on a design level like that too. So again, another mm. challenge. Like I hadn't yeah, done that for yeah. a while. So yeah, I do that to myself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, is there, is there a high degree of replayability then with a solo game like this? Can you say you just mentioned seventy different encounters? Presumably, 90. you're not going to encounter. 90 you're not going to encounter all 90 on your first playthrough right and you're and you're not going to succeed or fail the same way even if you do encounter some of them multiple times and you're going to do it with a different character and yeah i think the replayability it certainly doesn't have the replayability of a typical rpg which is effectively infinitely replayable Mm. um but it would uh you know there's there's a high high degree of replayability because of the sheer number of encounters there are because you're developing a completely unique inhabitants community each time um, mm-hmm. and just playing with a different character and a different mindset and whether you map and journal or not. And and even if you do kind of play it a few times and think, okay, I've kind of, you know, explored this game, you could set it aside and come back to it in six months or a year and you'll forget mm-hmm. some of what you came across the first time around. And Right, right, yeah. You know, this might be, a, it might be a good game. Um, if we get the, the assumption being that if we get the PDF working right with all the hyperlinks and a form fillable character sheet and everything, like this could be a good game for just anybody who's going to be on a plane or a train. Yeah. Um, a, you just a few times a year. You just take, it, yeah. take, take that out, yeah. bust it out every, you know, every so often when you've got some travel mm. or something like that and you can just do it yeah. in little pieces. Yeah. I'm just trying to work out how you roll the dice on the plane though. No, you, you get, it's 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 all D10 rolls. It's just straight D10s or percentile dice. So I mean, like there there are dice just rollers. Just a little online. dice rolling app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how how big is the actual? Is it just a single book? Is it how 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 does it come? Uh, it's looking to shape up to around seventy two pages. Yeah. Um, right now, and you know, two thirds of that is the encounters, and then uh, you know, it'll be fully bookmarked. For the PDF, and it'll be, uh, you know, there'll be there'll be links on some of the pages as well, mm. just to help you navigate through things uh, more quickly. Um, so, you know, it, it, a hefty-ish book for what it is. Like a lot of solo games are are much smaller. Yeah. Um, but there are, you know, from my understanding, there's there's some solo games out there that are quite robust. Mm. Um, but uh, it's just, not too much to handle. <laughs> just kind of curious because as I as I keep saying, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I I haven't played a solo game before but I was wondering you know Peter and Craig what's your sort of experience in the past of playing solo games have you have you have done a lot of it have you tried it yeah. well, Peter have you tried it well it's uh, how I got into role playing oh right okay yeah like the concepts were things like choose your own adventure yeah yeah a lot of those the fighting fantasy series by Steve right, Jackson yeah. Ian Livingstone and that led to things like Dungeoneer which is the uh, book that they created to tell you how to teach role playing to other people, which I was still sort of struggling with. So in fact the first the first game I played that wasn't solo was a duet with uh, mm. my younger brother. So yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, well, I think those fighting fantasies and things were a gateway for quite a few people. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, well people people of our age at least, not necessarily yeah. people these days. But um, No, no, you're more but, likely to come across role playing solo as a computer gamer. And, like, one of the things that I've noticed from what I can see online about communities is in America, the population density is so much lower, it can be a lot harder to find people to game with. 
Right, yeah. Unless you're right in the middle of a city, like, you know, yeah. if you're in the middle of New York, it's probably easier. But if you're out yeah. in the Midwest somewhere, yeah. it might be might be more difficult. Yeah, yeah. it's like four hours to get to the nearest place where you might want to play a game and then four hours back. It's not really feasible to do too much of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, in the UK, we've got higher population density, so... Uh, group role playing is a lot easier to achieve, and even then, people sort of struggle to get involved. Mm. And finding a group is finding a group is very hard unless there's like a yeah. thriving local scene. See, I don't think finding groups is so hard as just getting into groups and just mm. like the social dynamics of doing that. And I think yeah, things yeah. like your club help break that yeah. barrier down quite. I think quite finding well the because- right group too. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah a, a lot of arguments that you see online on Twitter or on Reddit and what's Ian World and so forth. It, it basically a lot of people argue about the right way to play a game when the right way is the right way for the people at that table. Mm. And this can lead to a lot of unhappiness if you've got one person who really likes storytelling games, you've got other people who like really tactical combat. These people are often not going to be served well by the same game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But of course, that brings us back to solo RPGs, where in a solo RPG, Mm -hmm. you're always playing the right way for the people at the table, because you are (laughs) the only person at the table. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so it solves solves all of those problems in one fell swoop. Yeah, it's it's an interesting form. Um, I think probably the last solo game I played was actually multi-journaling games. Uh, We had... um, Gion Chim and Kevin Culp on to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm struggling to remember the name of the Oh, journaling. I thought you said German then for a second. No, no, journaling. journaling. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's like a, it's all part of a fairly grand tradition of it. I think, I think you could go back a fair way as well. And you also can play board games solo as well. There's often quite a lot of that for, um, I've noticed for, say, military history based Mm. games. You can certainly play those on your own. Right, yeah. Well, I have to it. Hmm. So, still going back to Craig. Hmm. So, we've got 90 odd encounters. Have you got any sort of favourites in there? Sort of like fun, <laughs> exciting, fantastical encounters that, that, that are going to, you know, well, draw the, people the in. cookie jar tree is a good one. That, was, that one <laughs> pops into my head all the time. <laughs> yeah. Because that was one that Shireen wrote and is like, I would have never come up with that idea. Yeah. Mm. Oh, boy. Let me think. There's. Uh, there's one that's essentially like a time miasma, like where time gets oh. goofed up and you can end up with gaining a uh, a nuisance um, called the time spider that like <laughs> if, if, you, if you don't navigate that a particular uh, encounter properly, <laughs> the time spider comes in and it, it eats some of your time. It like, it you know, you have a limited amount of time um, to uh-huh. to complete your you know, your task I hear the producers of Doctor Who are listening in, by the way, and making notes feverishly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anytime, you know, like if you've got a time spider following around, you can't get rid of it. Like anytime you're forced to spend some of your actions to deal with something, mm. you have to spend mm-hmm. one more of your actions, right, which, will, which right. will eat up your days as you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's nasty. Yeah. <laughs> I do not like time spiders. <laughs> yeah. So what do you got in terms of like a combat? I mean, I assume it's not a heavily combat-oriented game from the sounds of what you're saying. Oh, no. Oh. It's, uh, the, when, when, when you come into a, an encounter that's kind of a fight kind of encounter, um, it's, you know, generally with something that is like, you know, some horrible beast in the, in the jungle. Oh. Um, mm. And everything's broken out into um, just four traits, uh, oh. which are uh, discover, interact, 
learn and survive. And so if, right. you're, if you're getting into a, uh, you know, a fight kind of situation, it's really just a survive check. Um, you are, so, right. you're, you know, you can improve those four traits and you roll a D10 and you add your score um, mm. and you can get bonuses from other things as well. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess the question that does spring to mind is what sort of age range of players did you envisage getting involved in this? Um, I think the game's probably pretty playable from like 10-ish on. Mm. Depending on, you know, stick to itiveness and, and kind of <laughs> how much people like reading. <laughs> like, you, right, right, right. Um, it, you know, younger, younger than that might, might get into it as well. Um, uh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, for something but that's, it, it's something that's going to take a while. You know, it, yeah. not that two hours is a long time to play, but, you, you know, it, yeah, I, I could, it's, the math is simple enough. It's all, everything's just addition. There's like, it sounds not, like maybe a parent and a younger child could kind of play it together, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, you could you could do it like you could do it as a G- one GM one player game pretty easily, where where the mm-hmm. player just has the character sheet and makes their decisions, and the GM kind of you know follows the guide right. of, of where you go and presents okay. the uh, presents things, and that way the player doesn't have to play the part of the GM, so to speak, and, sure. and deal with the world where they can you know maybe even kind of role play yeah. their character a little bit more, even if it's just role playing to one GM. Like, how do you deal with this this situation? Well, I do this, 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 and this, and then, okay, make a survive check, and we'll see if you succeed at that. Right, right. Yeah. So, so sort of talking about that character, mm-hmm. presumably you start the game like most RPGs and you create a character. It, um, is, is, is what sort of, like, what sort of character, sort of scope of characters have we got, have we got going on here? I was trying to think of exactly how to ask that question, trying to form this question in my head. <laughs> what kind well, of characters can you play? Yes, that's, yeah. that's, that is the question I was trying to ask. What kind of characters can you play, Craig? Well, the, the, the character creation is very much built around those four traits and a few hmm. other things that you keep track of. Um, right. And so there's not, there's not a whole bunch of information about like, there's no, uh, you know, race or lineage type of, um, component to the game like you can color that as you wish if you want your character to be an elf um and and just kind of think of it that way and make choices based on like well what would an elf do in this situation right, you can right. do those sorts Ooh. of things but it's it's mostly about get a concept for a character and say well okay my character is is um you know a scholar who wants to learn all they can about this so i'll build a character mm. that's maybe Okay, unsurvive, better at learn, not terribly good at interacting because they're, you know, they spent a lot of their time in, in libraries and the like. And yeah, you, know, you can build yeah. a character appropriately. Hmm. Yeah. So basically, the description part of it covers what you would think of the sort of archetypal role or, uh, you know, in D&D class and, um, class and race and in other games, right. other things. But that's all kind of more just descriptive laid on top of just four stats. Correct. Yeah. That's, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering, like, what sort of, it's about exploration of dialogue. Were there any particular themes that you wanted to explore when you and Shereen were working on it? I mean, obviously, exploration is a strong theme. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Certainly, certainly exploration. Um, the idea of, of going to another land and, exploring and understand you know that that, well i've exploring this exploration um but but you know coming to know and understand this uh community of people um that you create that you kind of develop you know uniquely each time Mm -hmm. you play the game uh i wanted to make sure that the game didn't scream like colonial tropes colonialist tropes like the characters originally i had characters coming in and they instead of they would find relics like you know magic items Mm -hmm. and i was like well now that that's like okay i'm coming in and i'm taking this relic of your 
ancestors. And mm-hmm. So I changed it to like, well, it's a magical blessing that the island bestows upon you. Mm. Okay. And then all of the finale scenarios, I make sure that like none of them are coming in and fixing a problem for the inhabitants. Like the inhabitants mm-hmm. have lived here for a long time. They are perfectly capable of dealing with a, pro- you know, like a, a, a bad yeah. harvest season or whatever, or mm-hmm. if, if yeah. the hunting grounds have moved or something like I uh, rather it was coming in and like the, your character integrates and kind of learns mm-hmm. about their thing. So if like you, one of your finales might be, you're going to take part in their, their, a, cere- a, a celebration or a festival of theirs mm-hmm. that involves a great feast. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to contribute to that feast by by uh cooking and making something to 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 contribute so you can develop what that you know what well what does their food look like what is it like and what do i make to try to kind of be part of that yeah Yeah. so what you're doing is you're you're, there's a bit quite strong theme yeah Yeah. Yeah. you're you're joining in with their culture as opposed to taking from it like 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 a like a guest rather than an invader sort of thing right uh very much so like you mean they're you're not looking to take anything or or lord oh. anything over them you're hoping that oh. they will accept you to mm. to join them right. um rather than you know converting them <laughs> in any way uh, yeah yeah so so what's the kind of like failure state of the game then because i mean mm. you were saying earlier the um you explore the island and you hope that the island doesn't kick you off mm. how does that work is that is that is that how you lose the game how does and how 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 does that actually work in game yeah. Uh, effectively, that's how you lose the game. What happens is you've got a series of finale scenarios that you can yeah. um, attempt, and you can start any one of them. You pick one, or you can randomly roll, and you start mm-hmm. on it whenever you want. You can start early in your allotted time. You've got four weeks of game time. Right. Um, and uh, if you succeed, and uh, you've basically had a, a series of things that you need to do, and there's checks involved, and if you succeed in a certain number of actions, mm. then you succeed. But if you fail and to get to to do all the things you need to do in those certain number of actions mm. um then you then you fail at your finale and the island says bye bye um <laughs> but four weeks is a good amount of time i found that playing like it it's the game with a four week uh time it the game leans towards success because mm. you've got a lot of time to gain bonuses and and different things and build up to the point of being able to uh, you know, be capable to f- fulfill your finale requirements. Um, but then there's also a little section in the, in the game book about um, adjusting the difficulty of the game. And you can take that down to three weeks or two weeks mm. and see if you can accomplish everything you need to do in just, in just two weeks where you may only have a week and a half's worth of time to do all that other stuff up front. And now, okay, now I have to try to fulfill this finale because I've only got mm. four days to do it. Mm. So this launches on Tuesday. Yep. Tuesday, October the fifth. Is this like a, a one and done, or are you considering mm-hmm. maybe a series of these? Is this you know, <laughs> a line, or, uh, or is it too early to say? At it's, the it's a little hard to say. Like yeah. one of the downsides to again, kind of doing this like challenge thing to myself and and trying something a little different mm. all the time is I never really know how it's going to do. Yes. Yeah. So if it does very well, um, I could see myself certainly doing another solo game um so this may be something on its uh, completely unto itself maybe something that's connected to this in some way mm. yeah well i think you know a series of games like this would be fantastic mm. you have to go uh, the overall be- kind of name secrets of the 
and then yeah. something different at the end of each one. The artist, the artist has done a lot of art, <laughs> and I'm not using all of it for this ebook. So, well, <laughs> yes, I see the plans forming as we speak. Yeah, marvelous. Well, well, yeah. That sounds like a, it's got an immense amount of potential. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, launching on Tuesday, how long does it run for? A month, is it? Or? Yeah, month. It'll run yeah. till the Thursday, November 5th or whatever it is. And how many of our hard-earned dollars is it going to cost us to pick up a copy mm. of Secrets of the Vibrant Arm? Um, well, the, <laughs> the interesting part about all of this, because it's mm. like the game is compact and kind of does its thing, right? There's like, you mm. need this all written and done, and this is the game. And I can't mm. add like 20 more encounters easily because I'm limited mm. to my dice rolls. Um, so the game's completely done, and it's, it's straight up. I don't expect there to be any sort of stretch goals that will do anything mm. other than perhaps paying the contributors some more. Right, um, right. or or um helping uh, with pot- those potentially HTML kind of links yeah yeah right C- mm. potentially kind of beefing up the the layout and making it even prettier mm. than what we're mm. planning for so it's like it's a $15 uh for the PDF and you'll get a, a code to buy a soft cover if you want right, a right. soft cover mm-hmm. but and i think the soft cover you know like the physical book will play well like for people like like to have the book in their hands but my hope really too like i said is to have the pdf really sing and have you know bookmarking mm. and hyperlinks and have it be very very playable yeah. on a yeah. tablet or um yeah while well, you sit there on the plane exploring a vibrant mm. aisle or perhaps yeah. flying to a vibrant aisle maybe mm. yeah <laughs> or not oh i like sailing sailing to a vibrant aisle that that's good fun. too yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on, Craig. Excellent. And uh, yeah, thank thanks you. for talking about your game. Cannot wait. So that launches again, just to remind everybody, on the 5th of October, which is Tuesday. Yes, it does. But anyway, we're done. We are done. We should get out yes. of here. We should leave this place. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. I did get someone on um, on Facebook saying, don't worry, I'll just come and pick them up for you. I saw them at my house. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have them. (laughs) Also, also, don't come over to my house. I don't know you. (laughs) I'll just stop by. What? No. (laughs) No, it was was someone that I knew, to be fair. that's not so bad. (laughs) But, you know, I have occasionally had friends say, oh, yeah, don't worry about the shipping. I'll just come and pick it up from you. But, But I'm like, yeah, because they'll live around the corner from me or something. No, that doesn't work. They're not stored at my house. Shipping it to my house and then you coming to my house costs the same as shipping it to you. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it doesn't help at all. <laughs>